The thing that you're talking about with the yellow plastic trimming, I think there was an evening dress that she wears in in Portugal, in Lisbon, right. and, and the trimming is all in, it is in polyurethane. Oh, so okay. we did use a lot of latex, but we also use loads of polyurethane because it we could frill it and do lots of nice things with it that we could add onto the clothes. Welcome to the Art of Costume Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Joy Glass. And I'm Spencer Williams. Elizabeth, good to see you. Good to see you. How's it going? It's going. It's it's award season. And so it's it's our yeah, time it to shine. <laughs> it is. It is. It's been this has been a thrilling year for award season, I must yeah. say. I can't keep up. I'm kind of exhausted. I don't I don't get award seasons fatigue, but I think it's because we were in like, at least I was in the endless Emmy cycle with them getting postponed. So I feel yeah. like I was just, <laughs> I've been in award season since, I don't know, March of last year. Um, <laughs> and then we just got our Oscar nominations and yes. I am so, so excited uh, for costume design. I just got to say, I predicted all of them. So you did. You did. I think I'm becoming a little bit of a machine. Uh, <laughs> We have You're like, Barbie. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have Barb Barbie with Jacqueline Duran, which I think wasn't a shocker. I think we even said no. that. <laughs> I, I was mean, willing to bet money. <laughs> like the work she put into that, how it just flawlessly came out, like deserved. Right. Yeah, we all saw it coming. I saw it coming at before the film even came out, honestly. Um Next, we had Killers of the Flower Moon with Jacqueline West, which I absolutely love. She was on the podcast late last year. Um, I, yeah, I would be really excited to see that film take the Oscar just because of all the work and, you know, integrity and accuracy they put into it. I think it really yeah. paid off. Um, also, two Jacqueline's nominated in this category. It's kind of like, yeah. you know, I want to call it Battle of the Jacqueline's, but I won't. No. <laughs> <laughs> then we have Napoleon with Janty Yates and David Crossman, which I'm very excited about. Have you seen Napoleon yet? I haven't seen it yet, but I'm from like the images and the trailers. I'm not surprised. That looks like it was like just like way too much like research and yeah. like involved detail she had to put into that. <laughs> There is a million and two costumes. Uh, David Crossman did all of the military uniforms, um, oh, yeah, all the war right. scenes, and then Janty Yates did basically everything else, um, including this incredible coronation scene that you have to see. The costumes are just. Whew, yeah, <laughs> I was actually trying to I was looking to see if they had like reissued it to see it in theaters, but so yeah. far, no. So far, no. If I see anything, I'll, I'll let you know. Uh, next up, we have Oppenheimer with costumes designed by Alan Mirajnik. I mean, I'm super stoked about that. She deserves it. That was a wild movie. <laughs> I'm glad for Oppenheimer. I mean, first yeah. of all, I mean, it's nominated for basically everything. Yeah. Um, I think Alan did such an incredible job with those costumes and really 
was able to tell the story of this of this man throughout decades and i think it just looked like effortless and yeah i think it's a masterpiece so i'm happy for ellen absolutely and then we have our final <laughs> nomination <laughs> which is actually the topic of today's conversation Poor Things of Costumes Designed by Holly Waddington. Yes. I love this movie. I'm not going to reveal any biases, but Poor Things is definitely one of my tops. (laughs) I, because you see the trailers and you're like, oh, that's going to be a good costume movie. Yeah. And then you, because I went into this knowing like nothing about the story was blown away by that. And then the costumes, because they reveal so little in the trailers. So I was like, okay, yeah. the costumes are clearly going to be good. But oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It was <laughs> like, I was kind of into steampunk in like high school. <laughs> and this was like high school Elizabeth's like steampunk dream of what fashion could be. <laughs> yeah. It's very... Like, it's just, it's so unique. And it reminds me of the first time I saw Crimson Peak, honestly. Like, it's just so innovative and colorful. And the materials are just, like, something you would never think of. And, like, this came out of someone's brain. You know, it's just, like, it drives me crazy. And I love it. It's so beautiful. And every single, every single costume, at least for what Bella Baxter wore, you're like, wow, I love that. Wow, I love that. Just every yeah. single one. Even when she was like, Bella Baxter was, you know, maybe not in a good place, like the mm-hmm. end of the film, we'll say. And, but even that costume, I was like, wow, this is sickening, even though she clearly is uncomfortable. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, each, each piece was just so perfect for the moment, for the characters, like incredible. I really want Holly to like collaborate with someone, put out a fashion (laughs) line for this because I am like about to go get some like really light cottons and like turn those uh, bloomers she had into shorts for the summer. (laughs) That is on my checklist. I was like, those are so cute. They're super cute. We should mention that <laughs> Elizabeth is wearing the biggest sleeves ever right now. And I'm just gagging. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got two of these sweatshirts with these puff sleeves like two years ago. And like I've always liked them, but I've like, eh, like I haven't worn them that much. Salt. So Salt poor things literally put this on the next day. (laughs) (laughs) Making this movie our personality. I think we should just jump into it because we have a lot to talk about. Absolutely. Spencer, give us a summary. Okay. Poor things. Brought back to life by an unorthodox scientist, a young woman runs off with a lawyer on a whirlwind adventure across the continents. Free from the prejudices of her times, she grows steadfast in her purpose to stand for equality and liberation. And that is Poor Things. Yes, if you have not seen Poor Things, get yourself to a movie theater. <laughs> as soon as possible. And it's as, really yeah. great in the theaters, too. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not one to be like, oh, you have to go see everything in a movie theater. Oh, my gosh. Go see this in a movie theater. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Do it. 
going behind the costumes, we have director Yorgos Lanthimos and costume designer Holly Waddington. She's had various roles in the costume department since 2007, but her noble work has been Lady Macbeth and the pilot for The Great. Which we love. Which we love. (laughs) But this year, she has racked up 24 nominations for her costume design of Poor Things, including a Costume Designer Guild Awards nomination, a BAFTA nomination, and now the Oscars. (laughs) Team Holly, she is killing it, man. She is. She is. (laughs) Well, Elizabeth, I am so excited to say, well, first we had Holly uh, kind of on the podcast a few weeks ago when I met her in a museum, and um, if you all listen to it, thanks everyone for actually listening to it. It did a lot better than I imagined because it was in a <laughs> under construction museum. You could hear power drills in the background. My mic wasn't working. <laughs> Holly was like, who is this guy? It was the whole thing was a bit chaotic. It still was a great interview, um, but short. So I'm excited to say, though, that we got back together again just two days ago to talk about poor things. And it was hours before the Oscar nomination. So we don't talk about the nominations because they hadn't happened at that point. But if you could have heard my thoughts, I was like bugging to say like early congratulations because it was so obvious to me. <laughs> like, girl, you're about to get nominated in a couple <laughs> hours. <laughs> but Holly's here in the studio uh, to talk about the costumes of poor things. And after we played an interview, Elizabeth and I are going to get back together and talk about it. I cannot wait to hear this. to welcome to the podcast for real this time costume designer holly waddington hey holly how's it going yeah, it's great thanks how are you spencer i'm doing good it's so good to see you so soon <laughs> again i'm glad that you had time to talk with me again about poor things because i love this movie and i love talking about poor things oh well good because then we're gonna have a good time <laughs> well let's start from the beginning uh, poor things is such a unique creative film uh, what initially drew you to work on a costume design for poor things well it was a bit of a no-brainer really because i was already a big fan of yorgos's work i'd seen all of his films um and and love i'd loved all of them and also I was a big fan of Tony McNamara's who I had worked with on The Great. I did the mm-hmm. I designed the costumes for the pilot episode of The Great. And um I love love his voice, love 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 um his writing. I think he's um a, a totally new voice actually that we haven't really heard before. Um as I feel about Yorgos's work, you know, they're making this really idiosyncratic, singular subversive interesting interesting work that's very much of our of our times right yeah no it is very fascinating just feels like such a great uh collaboration between you and all these incredible filmmakers um and one in particular is of course emma stone who is incredible as bella baxter 
Um, I'm so excited to talk about Bella Baxter. Uh, so the time period that Poor Things takes place in feels Victorian, but when it comes to Bella Baxter, you really seem to mix eras and materials departing from what we know as traditional Victorian. So tell me about that approach. It is so inspiring and innovative to me. Oh, well, thank you. Well, you know, the, the, the film is sort of set in the 1890s. That's when we frame the silhouette. So all of those big sleeves, you know, it's, it's, it's supposed, we, we, we use the big sleeves because we just love them. Um, as, as a team, we kind of hit on them and, and decided to sort of work with that date um, because of them. The book is set in the 1880s. The script is set in the 1880s. It didn't matter too much that we pushed it by a decade. But without, you know, with Emma Stone's character, Bella Baxter, she, she, the way that she is dressed is is an expression of where she is in her development as a, as a person. And so all the sartorial rules to do with how you put clothes together, in which order, um, what you wear at different times of day, uh, how you wear your hair, you know, which bits of your body you can and can't reveal and at what time of day, all of those mm. rules were just thrown out of the window because she's not um, in a position to make, to know about those things. She's right. got, it's like her brain is just completely new to the world and she's starting all over again. And and so we could be very playful with those things. And I think that is really why they feel contemporary and different. Um, right. We, you know, we took the courses away. So that was the first thing that we, we just felt that, having it you know shackling this 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 very sort of free person whose movements are very unpredictable and very sort of flailing like young children flail about don't they they don't have a controlled deportment and so by kind of I think we felt that it was essential to get rid of the corset for for the reason of not wanting to bind her but also because conceptually it would have felt really um not not right to have this 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 free character shackled in a in a piece of bondage and right. so that's the first thing that stops it from feeling like a period drama because the the, the corset is the thing that creates the period silhouette and and then if you have the hair down long hair down in that way you know that's the other thing that's the other big rule broken because victorian women have their hair up and I'm sure occasionally they wore it down, but it's probably when they were going to bed or you don't see many pictures or paintings of women with their hair down yeah. unless they were like the really avant-garde artist wife or artist or something. Um, and and then, of course, I was, I was playing with how Emma Stone and I were playing with how these clothes would be put together. So she, she the idea was that she would be dressed by her housemaid in the morning in a proper sort of ladies' bodice and skirt, but that she would have, things would have come off and dismantled, you know, quite early into the day. So she'd just often have bare legs and these funny little knick and nappy cover things on and <laughs> and sometimes we'd get to see her underpinnings. Um, and then we, when she went, goes off to Lisbon, she no longer had her housemaid. So she had to do it all herself. And so I was thinking of young children, you know, maybe five-year-old children dressing up in, in grown-ups clothes. And it, it's all a little bit discordant and ad hoc. So I was playing with all of those ideas. And I think that's why they feel, I think that's how we created this, this particular language of the clothes. Yeah, it's very fascinating. I was going to bring up the corset too, but to that point, I feel like the main theme really with 
one of the main themes in her costumes is just the idea of freedom is she's stripping kind of throughout the day because she's very toddler like and also the course that really opens without the course that opens her up to a world of new possibility it's very very intelligent and very fascinating and i also want to talk about the use of colors uh, yes her bella baxter's color palettes are very feel specific and direct like you definitely had an idea with these specific colors especially like golds yellows sky blues it feels very optimistic and joyful but then also in ways kind of out of place of what you would consider from a victorian era film so tell me about the use of color palettes in creating bella's costumes so when she gets to Lisbon, that's when the film, that's when we start to see the world in colour. It's as if she's just stepped, it's the first time that she's seen the world really as it is, because before that she's been stuck in the house in this black and white world. It's sort of like a, a beautiful prison that she's been kept in. So when she arrives in Lisbon, it, you know, everything is like a sort of technicolour dream. And, um, you know, the set design is just these gorgeous colours, these beautiful skies and yeah, I wanted to put her in one of these very optimistic, dreamy colours and mm. found this gorgeous blue fabric and and felt like that, yeah, let, let's let's go for this. And and then, you know, the knickers, the the they're very sunny. Like the yellows change as 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 we go through the film. Like they start off being really quite just really dreamy and um optimistic and I did use a lot of yellows I really was drawn to yellow for her character because of its association with sun and joy and mm. sunflowers and also with the black hair the the black and yellow are very I think they just of they make a really striking combination and I mean I've, I've said this to quite a few people now but I may have said this already to you Spencer but <laughs> when I was about nine I read years ago I read a book about color and culture Mm. And there was a bit that I never forget, which was all about nature's warning colours. And it was about how black and yellow are in in nature. They're the colours of warning. And wow. that's why bees and wasps are those colours, often poisonous frogs are that, those colours. And it's why in the urban environment we use black and yellow to denote warning or caution. And I thought it would be quite interesting to use that com with that black hair. I think as soon as we had that black hair, the decision to have that black hair, it gave me the option really of using a really sort of rich spectrum of yellows that potentially I wouldn't have used otherwise because that's yellows, those sorts of acid strong yellows are quite hard colors to pull off if you're, you know, otherwise. I think those, that hair allowed me to be very bold with the, with the use of yellow. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. It really gave you a chance to really play with really different colors and in ways the cautionary colors of black and yellow Quite interesting, actually. I'm going to rewatch the film again and kind of think about how that works into our costumes. That's really interesting. I, I'm glad you told me that. Um, that color that I hadn't meant that I, I only sort of remembered this recently, which is that um, early on in the process of working with the Orgos, when we talked about colors, um, I was showing him colors for Bella, and he said, "Oh, you're you're talking about the colors of a rotting apple." Mm. And I went off to my phone and looked at rotting apple, Google search. <laughs> and when you look at the colours of rotting apples and what comes up, as, as apples rot, that they throw up all a whole spectrum of colours that are both quite turgid and, as you'd imagine, browns, but also right. really vivid yellows and pinks. And so 
when I saw that, I did. I then did this these huge mood boards that we had in our office for a long time, and I really did use a lot of those colors. That that they really informed a lot of the colors, and I'd only remembered that through having all of these interviews with people like yourself. Hmm. It came back to me recently. I thought, well, what an apple. <laughs> I'm going to Google rotting apples as soon as we're done. The, the, the rotting apple is in there. Yeah. Well, that's really interesting. I'm definitely going to look that up. Um, one thing I loved was the use of textiles and materials, especially the use of latex. I just thought it was so interesting. Um, we have that latex <laughs> coat that she wears when she's in Paris. And then she wears a yellow I believe it's a gown, I believe in Lisbon, that looks like it has latex like trimming on edge. I might be wrong about that. But yeah. I wanted to ask you about the use of latex and just how textiles and materials played a role in your work. Well, yeah, I mean, I wanted everything to feel... I Just the, the biggest thing that I knew from the get-go was I wanted everything to be really organic and to have a sort of bodily quality to it. So to yeah. feel very animal not animal um or organic and mm -hmm. as if it was sort of living and breathing and so a lot of the things that i was looking at with were things that you know maybe things that live in the sea like sea anemones urchins um seaweed th just things that have lots of that just have a lot of life to them um you know the victorians the victorians Victorian dress had a lot of decoration on it, like tons, layers of things, feathers and jets and beads and loads and loads of stuff. Lace is a, obviously a big, a big feature of Victorian dress. And I felt like these are the things that really trap the period, like really feel very Victorian and, and, and heavily load the clothes with the sense of being from the, from the Victorian age. And I thought, I think the big design decision or one of them was to just get rid of that and not to use those things and to mm. replace the texture with textures that we made ourselves or textures that we found. So we had this little smocking machine that we were using to, we, we had a couple of them actually, it was using to sort of smock delicate fabrics up to create this kind of frilly, frilly um almost like the texture that you see on the lining of the intestine or if you look at cat, like tripe if you go to a butcher's and see tripe it has this kind of frilly quality or um and i was send like the fabric buyers were going out around the fabric shops looking for unruly textures that looked a little bit bodily or a bit like skin or you know everything so that the latex was all about skin and feeling connected to the body in that sense because it yeah. has particular sort of texture um but really texture was key and you know if you think about that that pale blue outfit that she wears in lisbon that has a kind of spongy quality to it mm. has that that um everything really everything had texture in it yeah the, the the thing that you're talking about with the yellow plastic trimming, I think there was an evening dress that she wears in in Portugal in Lisbon, right. and, and the trimming is all in it is in polyurethane. Oh, so we okay. did use a lot of latex, but we also used loads of polyurethane because it we could frill it and do lots of nice things with it that we could add onto the clothes. We use it to trim the edges of blouses. Oh, this is so, so cool. That's probably my favorite costume. But uh, so let's talk about the brothel scenes for a bit. Uh, we, you know, we've seen brothels throughout many, many shows and films. This felt like a unique take on what you would imagine as like brothel costumes. How did you approach those scenes? Well, I, 
I wanted to work against all of the things that we associate with brothels, really, mm-hmm. um, because I felt like I feel like we we really know the language of sex clothes, like without even seeking it out. Like if you do a good, if you start looking up pictures of Victorian brothels, it's no surprise that um, Victorian prostitutes were wearing long stockings, right. black stockings, and corsets. <laughs> Yeah. And, yeah, and I just Shocking. feel like that, that is what we, we, we know and see. And I, I think I just, and also the bloomers, and I thought it'd be really good to look at something else. And because we had made this decision not to put Bella in a corset, I, I also thought it would be good not to put these women in corsets, just to mm-hmm. get rid of the corset and to have have their bodies very natural, you, you know, not not put into a shape by, by you know, by a corset but to uh, reveal the breast. So that was the, that's, this is a, these are things that probably nobody has noticed, but each of the women in the, in the brothel had a bodice that had the breasts cut out so that they were kind of on display and their waists were just normal. So you, you do all of this stuff because you have to, you do all of this stuff in such detail and you just think nobody will even notice, but mm-hmm. thankfully people people have noticed. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, instead of using the colours that, you know, we, we, that I would associate with brothels, porn, sex, everything, red and black. Uh, you know, if you think about like, like here we have a shop called Anne Summers, which is like sexy underwear and it's always black and red, mm. purple, cherry, these colours. So I wanted to, I was just actively working against everything. I was thinking, what would be the most unsexy colour imaginable? It would be like the colour of old ladies' tights. Yeah. Yeah, Nylon tights. And then that led on to, oh, well, what if everyone is wearing clothes, you know, that their their clothes are all all skin colours, different shades of skin. Mm. So everything has this then. And I think what happened was it felt really, it just, the palette actually was very beautiful in that yeah. space and it felt very sensual. And those, I mean, they did, those women did look really, I was very pleased with them in the end because we, they all had latex stockings. Mm. Some of them had bare legs. Some of them didn't want to wear latex stockings because they have like a bit of an error. So some people can't wear latex. Yeah. Some people have an allergy actually. An allergy. Yeah. And then they had, oh, they had these knickers that we made for them that were like, almost like granny pants, like sort of grandmothers, um, but, you know, quite long, uh, but with a very deep V at the crotch, um, with lacing crisscrossing up through the crotch, a bit like those Alexander, do you remember those Alexander McQueen trousers that he made that were oh, yeah. the other one down the bottom? Um, and the idea of those was that they displayed the pubic hair, which again is is you know in our in modern culture we don't want to see pubic hair. <laughs> so I wanted to make a feature of the pubic hair. Right. I was basically trying to <laughs> trying to sort of just work actively against what we have in our in our <laughs> culture, and, and I, you know, I think it was quite fun to to, to do it that way. And um, oh, we found this fabric which was one of the buyers found this fabric, which was a wool, like a black wool, that had had loads of um, latex poured all over it. And it had this really interesting texture. So we bought the whole load of, we bought whatever they had in the shop, 30 metres of it. And it came with this to Budapest and that's what we made all of the mm. main costumes. So that each of the women had one of these huge jackets with big sleeves 
some of them went to the floor and some of them stopped at the waist and they exposed the breasts and they were all laced up. So they used that material. So that's more latex. Right. (laughs) Well, definitely worked out. So Emma Stone said in a production notes about the wedding dress, which I thought was so sweet. It said, she said, I almost cried when I put it on. It was exquisite, sheer and delicate, but also incredibly strong. A bit like how I see the nature of sex is vulnerability and confidence uh, blended in tandem. That is what the dress symbolized to me. It's an incredibly impactful statement of a dress. And I thought that was so lovely. And also... That dress was so cool. I was fascinated by the sleeves, like always the white. So tell me about what you were, you and your team were thinking when you were putting together that very interesting wedding dress. I love that. I, I was really amazed by what she was saying about that. She really, really liked it. I can tell when, when we took it to her in the morning. We'd all been up all through the night trying to get it. <laughs> it was quite tricky. So... Um, the idea of it was that it was um, so that the bands going concentrically, horizontally through the dress, they they were like this idea of marriage being a cage, like an, a form of imprisonment or entrapment. It was like a cage. But I thought it was really important that you could still see her body, that she yeah. was still visible. So it was kind of almost not really there well that she was still very present in the dress and then the huge sleeves I wanted them to feel like balloons like like almost like helium balloons Mm. so this dress takes up this huge volume it's like a big dress but it's actually also you could fold it down I think this is why Emma liked it so much that I think that she herself really likes to be very free in her clothes and as and her character really does. Like, you know, that was a, a feature of Bella Baxter that, you know, she's very free. So I think um, I think it was both like huge and it's like a contradictory dress. It's sort of massive and with these huge sculptural sleeves, but also light as a feather and you could move easily in it and, Feel. I think she. I think she probably felt quite um, liberated in the dress. For me, it was all, all about this metaphor of imprisonment and marriage, and entra- these men wanting to entrap her. And underneath the, there are several layers in that dress. So we 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 were we were a bit limited in our choices of things that we could make it out of. And I remember George, who I was working with, who was we were working together on this, and Joe. We were. We just had to choose fabrics because uh, it wasn't going to happen quickly enough. If, and and I couldn't quite find the fabrics that I wanted. And getting things into Hungary from the UK was very difficult because of all the Brexit things going on. And I think uh, George had found this millinery netting, which is um, you know netting for hats. Mm-hmm. And it has this very, you know, it's like it's it's like it's like chicken wire. It's 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 plastic netting basically, and that is what forms the structure of the dress. So it's a lot. Millinery netting comes in very thin bolts, and so we had that sandwich between layers of organza and cotton tulle. So you get this buildup of different grid-like um, fabrics, and so you know it's many it's many layers of grid-like forms pushing this idea of cage but it's not a cage at all because yeah. it's just like other like it's you know she's almost like unimprisonable right <laughs> what i was thinking 
Yeah, no, you can't keep Bella Baxter down. I love that. It's very interesting. And, I, and the veil was good. Like the veil, because I remember sitting there the night before thinking, I don't know what to do with this veil because this character would not wear a veil. <laughs> Veils just look, um, they just look really pious and sort of virtuous. However, which way you wear them, they make you look um, sacrificial or something like that. And And so it was really on the morning of the wedding scene I had this veil and I said I, 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 I'm not really quite sure how we should put this on your head but we can just not wear it or we can and she was very keen to just like wrap it around her head yeah that's and, such a cool um, note <laughs> and I think it really, really just was the right she she sort of did that in character and I think that was it, it was the only way to wear that she'd wear a veil right it it came out I think it worked out the way it's supposed to because it almost feels like like a superhero mask actually like she just feels like very yeah. present and i love i love the way you use the veil that's um, a rose for some you know this is you know how he wore that headband yeah <laughs> it's, like a bandana. it's like a bandana but around her face well speaking of feeling in prison though when she goes back with alfie blessington i thought the costume that she wears at the manor was actually quite odd because it's it's a very creepy manner and it feels very the orange feels very gothic and kind of like not like her in that moment so what was your thinking when putting her in that manner costume it was like a deep orange yeah i mean it's a it's quite an it's quite an ugly color combination and I, that dress is not supposed to be beautiful so these are the clothes of her character prior to being bella so it right. isn't supposed to feel like one of bella's dresses at all it's 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 it, this these are the clothes of victoria who she was before she threw herself off the bridge right so it's not her basically no no and it's the same as the dress that she throws herself off the bridge in in the first scene mm. that very blue military also very military inspired dress so i was trying to create um a couple of dresses that really were absolutely at the opposite end of the spectrum to the things that bella wears so you know, they don't have these air-filled light sleeves or this air, airy-like quality. They are s s sort of heavy and oppressive and the, the, the very sort of fussy details on them evokes ideas of imprisonment, but 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 really sort of, you know, like the, the, the blue dress, the sleeves are based on medieval armour. Oh, the orange dress has all of this military frogging going up the sleeves and yeah. the colours are a bit like a sailor collar, but they actually look really sharp. Like, a, like she looks like a big, massive, great big spear. Um, <laughs> and the colours, instead of being light and dreamy and optimistic, they're they're like quite heavy and yeah, heavy and goth. <laughs> and not really very nice. Um, <laughs> I was really surprised when my mum my mum was in the costume exhibit and she said, "This is." She, from the photo she said that's my favorite costume <laughs> and I, I just thought it was hilarious because it wasn't supposed to be gorgeous or yeah it's supposed <laughs> to be like oh yeah Ooh. i mean on its own it's a gorgeous costume but when you see poor like you know happy joyful bella who just came from her beautiful you know white angelic wedding they see her in that costume it's a very hard contrast and you feel <laughs> sad but on its own i get i agree with your mom it is a beautiful costume <laughs> i was very surprised <laughs> well holly i love talking with you and like i said i love this movie i'm just so happy for you lots of congratulations to go around what do you hope the audience takes away from poor things as they head to the theaters and see your costumes on the screen 
I mean, I just think it's fantastic that we've got this. Um, I just think that, you know, Yorgos is a, is a true artist. And I I think it's wonderful that we've got this. And I, he is an author, someone who is making work that really embraces, that is really, like, I just think he's so unusual and he's so left field and he's working with very uh he's very different in the way that he approaches his creative collaborators and and i think it's just fantastic that he's made this film you know, i think the way that he works is really brave and bold and um i think he takes great risks in his work and i think it's absolutely brilliant that that he's made this film that sort of seems to be appealing to, to that the people really like yeah. <laughs> and i think more I think more really artistic people like Yorgos should make make films. Um, and yeah. I think, I also think, I just hope that people from Bella take, you know, just in terms of how she dresses, you know, she's not at all, um, she's, she's just doing it her way and she's not too bothered really about sartorial rules. I don't think we live in an age where anybody is particularly bothered. But no, maybe maybe people are. Yeah, I think people should be themselves and wear and and sort of dress for themselves and and wear what feels good. Right. They should take that and also be curious and embrace life and you know try not to be too jaded by by life. Right. Like <laughs> well, with that, costume designer Holly Waddington, thank you so much <laughs> for joining me. I am so happy for you. Such a great film, and I just. Can't wait to see all the everyone head to the theaters and see poor things and share what their favorite costumes and how they connect with Bella. It's quite an incredible film. So thank you for talking with me. Thank you. It's lovely to speak to you again, Spence. Thank you thank for you. your questions. Hi, this is Dan, audio engineer of the podcast, here to let you know that if you wanted to support the show, you can head over to theartofcostume.com slash podstore. There you can buy some awesome Tee Public merch with the podcast logo, such as a shirt, coffee mug, stickers, and of course, a baby onesie. Thanks for all your support. She is so sweet and I just want to, I want to talk to her whenever I can, honestly. She brings me so much joy. Absolutely. And like, I, I love just like the thought she put into it, the little details. I don't know, like how I missed all of the latex really in this movie. Yeah. I, I think I was just so overwhelmed by how much <laughs> I liked it Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that like, I feel like I need to go see this again. Um, but like, as you started talking about it, I was like, oh my gosh, that's like all this just beautiful, unconventional detail is incredible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to be fair, I've, I saw this movie once for fun and then the second one was like for more detail. And also there was that exhibition. So I really got to see a lot of the costumes up close and personal to see a lot of the textiles. 
but yeah, there's so many like hidden like notes and uh, interesting, innovative textiles and materials and all the costumes. I love the use of color. Um, I'm not a yellow person at yes. all because yellow is like my direct enemy of being somebody <laughs> who wears all black. <laughs> but I love the use of yellow and like that light baby blue too. It just works so perfectly. Yes. And it's really, it was really that yellow. It was funny earlier when you mentioned uh, Crimson Peak because mm-hmm. <laughs> when I was listening to your interview, as soon as she started talking about the yellow in danger, I thought of Crimson Peak, the yellow gowns in that. Oh, yeah. The canary. <laughs> and I was, yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, this is incredible. It's so it's so amazing. <laughs> but back to the actually, I just remember the latex costume where she gets to Paris and it looks like she's wearing like a giant condom. That costume, <laughs> yeah. that coat. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> it is so good. Um Especially just because, like, she's, like, for someone who knows nothing about life, because she's literally a child. Like, it's a child's brain in an adult's body. Spoiler. (laughs) (laughs) If you made it this far. (laughs) If you made it this far, I hope you uh, watch the movie. Um, But she's so prepared for every situation because of how Dr. Godwin, like, raised her. Uh-huh. Cause you have like stupid Duncan under the little parasol and she's like, got her raincoat on. She was like, what? This is fine. Yeah. How'd she pack all those clothes in those uh, briefcases or suitcases? I don't know. I don't know. Um, but who cares? Uh, speaking of Duncan, I didn't really get to ask Holly about any of the men. We only had a limited time and I realized like halfway through, like I'm not gonna be able to get through all my questions. So I did what any normal costume design journalist would do and just throw all the men's questions and just focused on Bella Baxter for the rest of the time. (laughs) I mean, good call. Good call. Uh, But the men really were unique in this film. Uh, Like, it's so cool because she does like so, so Victorian, so 1890s, but not. Yeah. Especially for the men's. You're like, oh. Yeah, this is that time period, but something something's different. Yeah, something it's definitely like Holly's well and Yorgos Lanthimos, like their take on this period. It's that's why it's I've seen a lot of people say like it's not a period film, but it is because it's definitely set in that time and you could see it happening around them. But she just gives each of these characters such an interesting perspective and it happens through their clothing. I love Duncan Wedderburn played by Mark Ruffalo. He's such a fantastic character because you hate him, but you also like love to hate him too. He's so funny. I never thought Mark Ruffalo could ever play a character I hated. (laughs) And now we have Duncan Wedderburn who is just like the worst of toxic masculinity. Yeah, he's awful. (laughs) the embodiment of it and it was so wonderful it was so wonderful you brought up the scene when they're in paris and he's under the parasol and he's just like saying they're freezing in like a full like three-piece suit it's it's so funny because he just looks so out of place but it's like probably the only thing he has at this point so these are like now his pjs at the same time you know i know and i love it because he starts off so like so cool so like debonair 
Like yeah. he's he's like, yes, I am sophisticated. And then he's like, what what's happening? <laughs> yeah. You watch like that debonair like sophistication like unravel throughout the film, mm-hmm. which is really fun. Uh, then we have Dr. Godwin Baxter and Max McCandles played by Willem Dafoe and Rami Youssef. These are two great characters. I love them. Yeah. I loved Max. I love Rami Youssef. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> she likes Max. <laughs> I did. I did. Because, like, he's all into the science. He's all in. But, like, he does understand. Unlike Dr. Baxter, he does understand, like, the moral quandary yeah. they find themselves <laughs> in. And, like, is willing to treat Bella as an equal, sees her as an equal, um, and is just there to support his girl at the end mm-hmm. of the day. Yeah. <laughs> and I love Dr. Baxter's uh, costumes, too. He reminds me of, and it's like that, such like a mad scientist look. It's done very effortlessly, yeah. I would say. I wish I need to go back and listen to my first interview of Holly because she talked about it. So if you're all listening, you have two interviews to kind of go through and get all your behind the costume <laughs> facts. But I just love the use of like color and just like how he's kind of like pieced together a little bit. Um, it mm-hmm. gives like mad scientist qualities without oh, like overly saying it, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. He's definitely a person who he's not rejecting the style of his time, but he's definitely choosing what he wants from it. What he thinks is going to be practical yeah. and useful to him is what That's a good I way got. To put it. Mm-hmm. And then we have Alfie Blessington at the end, which I mean, I <laughs> I did not like this guy. <laughs> I don't like the way you made me feel. <laughs> I I hated him so much. <laughs> I was like, excuse me, sir, what? What? Yeah. What? He's, he's, <laughs> He's a bit creepy. And actually, I feel like his costume. Yeah. Okay. A lot bit creepy. Um, And his costume, I feel like, said a lot of that about him, too. Like, it's just he's so, like, unsettling. I mean, he has, like, some fur in it. It's, like, big. And I think, like, the big collar kind of, like, I don't know. It makes him feel very, like, big and strong, but scary and the use of like black and red black and red is always a scary combination for me yeah <laughs> so the, like you see this guy pretty immediately and you're like oh <laughs> like i don't like this i don't like where this is going i also i loved all his like medals on there and it's like dude calm down like why do you feel the need to wear these just like chilling around your house there's something clearly clearly wrong with you yeah he's very like And I said this in an interview of Holly, like he brings like a very gothic like moment to the film. And so on the costume that um, Bella wears to dinner with him, too, it's like that orange. It's like all very like kind of gothic. And it's it's creepy when you put it against like the colorful, bright colors that we're used to throughout the film. So that's like 20 minutes of the film is (laughs) unsettling at best. Yeah. Yeah. But Spencer... (laughs) This brings us <sighs> to our favorite game. Are you ready? I'm so ready. This was an easy one for me. Let's do it. Same. Hit it, Daniel. The one costume to rule them all. Spencer, what's your yes. one costume to rule them all? 
So I really loved the. It's it's not just yellow. It's like close to gold. I would say it's be, it's between yellow and gold. It's almost there. It's this dinner gown that she wears, uh, kind of early on in her adventure with, um, Mister Wedderburn. Uh, Bella Baxter's like golden gown that has what looks like to me latex at the bottom. It could be be vinyl as well. Um, mm-hmm. It might be in a dress she decides to punch the baby in. I don't remember. Um, but it's it's so good. The <laughs> sleeves are like big, but they're they're different though. They have like a triangular shape to them mm-hmm. a little bit, which I just absolutely love. I saw this costume in person. And I was attached to it immediately. Like I imprinted on this costume. I want, this is a top tier one costume. Rule them all. Red alert. Please. <laughs> Someone keep this in a museum forever. Smithsonian. I love this costume. I think that if I could give this a costume a Oscar, I would. It deserves it. It's so good. That that really is. That that gown is spectacular and it is one of the first like really big like in your face pieces yeah she wears and it is it's so her it's so Mm -hmm. this movie i loved it and the black hair by the way which we didn't we talked too much it really adds to all the costumes too the black hair does something for these costumes and i really appreciate it absolutely i agree um, it it just like offsets everything perfectly. Yeah. And what's yours, Elizabeth? My one costume to roll them all was her wedding gown. Mm, honestly, like, I kind of saw this for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the moment I saw it on screen, I was like, I need this. <laughs> this is incredible. And then listening to her talk about it, mm-hmm. like it's so Bella. Like... <laughs> yeah (laughs) it's so bella it's so her it's like her i feel like this is really one of the first like steps she takes that she's like yes this is me like choosing the life that i want without like the pressure of the people around her too much but still like she is kind of confining herself to this convention and it's just it's her it's of the time and i just loved it it's beautiful and i love oh, i mean the sleeves i i'm a sleeves person i could talk about these sleeves forever and they're so perfect <laughs> they're so perfect oh my god the like i will say i think the sleeves are really what got me <laughs> yeah <laughs> with this one uh they're just it's beautiful it's perfect it says so much about her and the story that's being told yeah i mean okay. you have the same one costume to rule them all as emma stone so I don't know. You, you you might win this one. Sounds like I'm on the right track. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you all have a different one costume to rule them all, make sure you leave us a voicemail at 626-515-1826 or email us at theartofcostume at gmail.com. Tell us what, what your one costume to rule... Ugh. Tell us what your one costume to rule them all is because I'm sure we all have different ones and honestly, we're all correct because they're all just top-tier costumes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Spencer, what are we watching next week? Elizabeth, next week we are going to be watching The Color Purple. And I'm so excited because we have an interview with costume designer Francine Jameson Tanchuk, who did the costumes. 
Uh, we brought her up a little bit uh, last year when we had Aggie Rogers on the podcast. And Aggie talked about how one of her supervisors back then on the color purple in the 80s was now designing the costumes for the color purple in 2023, which was, of course, Francine, who is also going to be honored with a career achievement award at this year's Costume Designer Guild Awards. So I'm so excited to have this icon herself on the podcast to talk about the color purple. And I hope you all join us because it's it's really a good one. I am so excited. I cannot wait. If you all are also excited and can't wait, you can get some more content from us in the meantime on Instagram at the Art of Costume Pod on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Always TikTok. <laughs> on TikTok at the Art of Costume. If you need a little art of costume merch you can head to the art slash pod store and if you loved what you heard we would really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star text review on apple podcast hey it really does help okay. it does a lot <laughs> a lot a lot elizabeth this has been a fun episode i yes. love poor things and i love that you loved it and i have a feeling we're gonna be talking about this again pretty soon so for a long time yeah. <laughs> New obsession alert. Thank you all for listening. Bye, everyone. Have a fantastic week. The Art of Costume podcast is hosted and produced by Elizabeth Joy Glass and Spencer Williams. Our audio engineering and editing is done by Dan White. Follow us on TikTok at The Art of Costume and Instagram at The Art of Costume Pod. If you want to support the show, go to theartofcostume.com slash podstore. For more podcast updates, costume reviews, deep dives, and interviews, go to theartofcostume.com, a blog dedicated to highlighting the best in costume design. 